Welcome, friends. I'm Sarah Ann Stewart, and this is the Awesome Inside Out Podcast. Now, I'm not sure how you ended up here today, but I want to welcome you with open arms. Because while our paths may be different, I'm going to take a wild guess that we share one common desire to have a deeply fulfilling, extraordinary life in a body that we love. A life free of diets, free from guilt, and free from shame. In each episode, we're going to dive deep into mindset shifts that give you the power to decide how you feel, not the media, not your past, and not social conditioning. Then you'll discover how to use this inspiration and this new sense of confidence to be the best you, the you that you are meant to be. So get ready, my friend. It is time to get awesome inside out. Hey there. Thanks so much for tuning in to another interview episode on the Awesome Inside Out podcast. I cannot thank you enough for joining me today and being here, part of this movement of individuals all over the world ready to upgrade their health, their well-being, and their life. If you enjoy this conversation, the absolute best way that you can always support is by leaving a five-star review, subscribing, or sharing on social media or the people that you love. It would mean the world to me for others to have access to this powerful content, so thank you so much in advance. Also, make sure to stay till the end as I'm going to offer some applicable takeaways and some actionable steps based on our conversation today to implement this week. All right, so let's dive in. Today, we're talking about naturopathic medicine. And because more and more individuals, specifically in America, are suffering with their health than ever before, I've seen a growing trend towards the desire to understand and embrace naturopathic medicine and towards the focus on prevention, while also recognizing how to create sustainable well-being and integrate more natural approaches to managing and healing illness. Further, what I've also discovered is that your naturopathic practitioner may be able to offer you some solutions that your primary doctor can't, which is often because of two primary reasons. First, naturopathic doctors focus on healing the root cause through lifestyle changes versus using a band-aid approach. And second, they focus on how you can shift your attention inward to heal from the inside out. Because it's only when we shift our attention inwards to identify the root cause of sickness that we're able to find our deepest healing. And there is no one better to help you find your deepest truth and embody a holistic approach to healing than my dear friend, Dr. Sam Faramarzi. Dr. Sam is a licensed naturopathic doctor and founder of Safa Life and Wellness. Dr. Sam completed her naturopathic medical training at Bestier University in Washington State. While studying the intricacies of the physiology of the body in medical school, she became fascinated with the mind-body connection and then further went on to study cutting-edge research on mindfulness at the Benson Henry Institute for Mind-Body Medicine at Harvard Medical School. She incorporates her knowledge into private practice, where she applies mind-body medicine and witnesses profound changes in her patients just after a few visits by helping them honor this deep, sacred connection. If you ever felt like deep down you knew you needed to make a change to upgrade your health and well-being, but couldn't quite figure out what direction to take, this conversation that I'm going to have with Dr. Sam today will unlock new opportunities for you and give you the tools you need to find long-term well-being. 
Hi, Dr. Sam. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. I am so excited to have you and just getting to know a little bit about you. I'm overwhelmed by just the resources that you offer, the incredible content that you put out into the world, how you help so many people and how you've been helping so many people this year, specifically during this very, very challenging time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Sarah, for having me here. We always have such fun conversations. So I'm just so excited to be here, spend time with you. Yeah, I'm excited to dive into more specifically how you got into naturopathic medicine, specifically after starting out with nutrition sciences and working as a weight loss expert. I would love to hear a little bit more about what that transition looked like and what your passion was to start helping people from healing the body from the inside out and really looking at the mind-body model of of health and wellness, specifically over going into maybe the Western route or, or the medicine route. Yeah. So I studied nutrition in undergrad. Before that, I'll tell you a little story about my life growing up. So my dad passed away when I was seven years old. He was only 38, really young, super healthy. He went to sleep one night, had a heart attack in his sleep. And the next day, my dad was dead, right? So so from a young age, thank you. From a young age, I was really interested in wellness. And I was like, how does this happen? How does a young man, I wanted to understand what happened to his body. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go the nutrition route because of course in high school, everyone's obsessed with diet, exercise. That's when you get into it. And I was like, in college, I want to study this. So I studied nutrition at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. And while I was there, I worked at a hospital. And I realized as a traditional registered dietitian, I was just, I was calculating protein, calories, carbs, and I was like, this isn't exactly what I want to do. It serves a huge purpose in the hospitals, but I wanted to understand more what is actually happening in the body. How do people get to this place in the hospital? So then I started actually looking into traditional medical school because I was like, I I want to understand that, what's happening in the body. And while I was in the process of applying for a traditional medical school, I started reading about mind-body work. I started reading about um, preventative medicine, holistic healthcare, reading about Andrew Weil and you know the residency he has. I think it's in Arizona or New Mexico. I don't know exactly where it is. I was like, oh, this is it. This like something got triggered in me. I was like, this is the route I want to go. I want to use nutrition and I want to really dive deep into what's happening in the body. So in that process, then I randomly came across naturopathic medicine because I met an acupuncturist and I knew immediately And I think that's where it's so important to be aligned with who you are because I made a decision overnight about wanting to be a naturopathic doctor because it just felt so aligned with all the principles. It's like I had a list of things I wanted to practice with my patients in the future and naturopathic medicine checked all of them. And I went for my interview in Seattle for the school I want to go to, Bastyr University. And it just worked out so perfectly. And that's how I got into it. And as I was there, I realized that I was really the person that needed healing. And that's the beauty of the path we all choose. If we actually listen to our bodies, listen to ourselves, we get on this path that not only heals us, but then we get to use the gift of that to heal other people that come on our path. And I'm just so grateful for that, for being on this path. Yeah. That's amazing. And was there a time while you were there where you were suffering from, you know, anything specifically physically, mentally, emotionally, where you were like, okay, I know that 
these principles can be applied to me in my own healing? Or was it more of just like, okay, I recognize that this is something that I need to take on and just embody in my day-to-day life? Well, I did have physical stuff going on before I went to Bastyr. I was diagnosed with PCOS, put on birth control for seven years. And when I started school, first thing I did was get off of birth control and <laughs> allow my body to heal itself. And now I don't have PCOS anymore. Everything's totally fine. You know, seeing naturopathic doctors from year one, right? It took a while to get my body back to working out, but it worked out, right? But during the first year also, a lot of emotional stuff comes out. Anyone that goes through a naturopathic medical school program, you have to heal yourself before you become a doctor. And and we had classes. We had different courses that would trigger those emotional things. I remember the first time I even talked about my dad's death was in my first year of medical school where we had to talk about emotional things we've experienced, trauma we've experienced. And I decided in that moment, I was like, I'm going to dive deep into this and actually start a relationship with my dad after he's died. You know, it's what I was, it was like 19 years later. So no, like 18, 17, 18 years later. But I mean, imagine 17 years, let's say of not dealing with someone's death and then finally being placed in a situation, having the opportunity to face that. It's so healing. So that's where my journey started. And that's how I got into meditation. And I was willing to see things that I was harboring, the emotional stuff that I never looked at. Wow. And can you talk a little bit about how we store trauma right in the body or on a cellular level? Because I think this is such an important piece that so many people don't it's not that I think people aren't willing to confront, but I think it's more of the fear, right? And there's that courage element that it takes to be able to confront part of ourselves that is, that's actually making us sick, right? Yeah. I think people, we forget and we don't recognize that when we go through specific things. And I think this year specifically, 2020 is one of those years that I think the beginning of 2021 into 2022, a lot of us are going to have to sit with ourselves and really confront what has showed up and what we've had to face and what we've been in the experience of. And so can we talk a little bit about why that's so important to confront these parts of ourselves and the experiences that have happened to ourselves and how that manifests into into sickness and what you see maybe in your practice? Yes. Um, I think this is such an important topic to talk about. I learned more about this when I was studying biofeedback in school. I saw the most magical transformations in patients that, for example, couldn't move their body and they would talk about how the only time their pain is gone from their neck, that when they come in with their neck sideways, right? They're like, the only time this is gone is when I'm dancing, let's say, right? And this, I mean, this patient, her story stays with me forever. It was my third year of school and she would come in and talk about this whole scenario of my neck is sideways. The only time it's not, it's when I'm dancing. So we realized that the only time she was actually living was when she was present. Because when she was dancing, she was super present in the moment. So, and then we got into the trauma that led to her neck being sideways. So that was an example of how someone showed up that way. And I went deeper into why is this so important? This is where healing starts is when we create awareness about what are we experiencing and where are we holding it in our body? A lot of times we're not aware of that because we're scared, like you said, to face that 
to face even the fact that we've experienced trauma. A lot of times something traumatic happens. We decide that we're going to go through it and just come out the other side and not even talk about it. And then 20 years later, we have IBS or we have MS or, you know, ALS, different chronic illnesses that come up and we don't even know. We're like, I don't know. I don't know how this happened, but there's a big mind body connection, right? And I've witnessed that with my patients in and out. And when true healing happens, I've noticed that it's mainly been when we actually sit and face those emotions and we pay attention to processing what the trauma served us, having gratitude for it, and also realizing when we're, where we're storing it. I mean, it could be as simple as stress. Sometimes people show up with stress and then their shoulders are tense, right? Sometimes people show up with stress and they're, they're like, I feel tight in my belly. And what I do as a physician, as a doctor, is listening to my patients when they're describing it. So I think that's the first step when someone is experiencing something, even if you're at home alone, right? Ask yourself, where am I feeling this emotion? If you're saying, I feel anxious, what does anxiety feel like? A lot of times we use these words without really understanding what it means because we just hear it. We're like anxiety, depression, um, sadness. But what does it feel like to you? And how do you know you have this emotion and where are you storing it, right? So I always, that's the number one thing I ask them. How do you know it? And where do you feel it in your body? Sometimes it could be on your big toe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And becoming aware enough to say, oh, I'm not going to go for the habitual experience that I do every day to block the feeling. I think that that's the other really important piece, which is why I love the work that you do. It's about becoming self-aware versus, okay, I'm just going to run to the cabinet and grab some more Tylenol, or I'm going to grab that cup of coffee to push through, or I'm going to you know, do whatever it is from a Band-Aid approach to mitigate the symptom versus just becoming aware of it through self-awareness, recognizing where it's stored, how it's being held in your body, where the pain is surfacing, and then saying, okay, well, is this potentially a manifestation of something I previously have experienced or something I want to actually experience. Maybe I'm sabotaging a certain part of my life or maybe I'm scared of having that conversation in partnership or maybe I'm scared of stepping into my dream career, whatever it is. Often that has come from a belief system, right? Or from a story or a projection or a wounding pattern or trauma. And that's why I love that through your work, it's like, okay, let's sit down and have a conversation about the mind-body connection way before we even talk about maybe necessarily food or movement or these other other pieces and how do we bring more joy and gratitude and fulfillment into your life. And so that was kind of the next piece that I wanted to talk about was this these gratitude practices, these joy practices that you talk about so often. And I think right now more than ever, everyone's like, of course, everyone's saying do gratitude, do joy work, like wake up in the morning happy, you know, but I'm yeah. in the 2020 and it's hard right now. And I want to get down to that conversation around like how important it is to instill these practices and how they're not like, you know, something that's just been over and over and over reciprocated and everyone's talking about them. Like there is actual science and how important it is that that we really get back into the joy, into the into the gratitude, into the happiness elements of our life. 
So 90% of our life is unconscious. It's run by our unconscious programming and 10% is conscious. So imagine if your unconscious programming was around gratitude and joy and you were able to face those things, right? So there's scientific research that shows, there's brain scans that show how your brain changes when you practice gratitude, even in times of trauma, even in times, I mean, with everything going on in the world, there's still things to be grateful for, right? So I noticed how gratitude changed my life over time. I mean, going through my own trauma in life and really sitting with my own feelings. Everything I do in my practice, I feel like I've experienced yeah. and I've I've done myself. Mm-hmm. So that's why. And I've seen how it's changed my life. I mean, Sarah, there was a time in my life where I would write about opportunity, right? I would always be like, I am so grateful for opportunities in my life. Even if one opportunity showed up to meet someone and I got to help them or they helped me in some way and it brought joy into my life. So for a while, I would just write about opportunity because that's something I really like in life, right? Having opportunity to do something with whatever shows up. At one point, there was so much opportunity in my life that I had to stop writing about it because that was like, when you have, when you're grateful for something, it keeps showing up. So that shows us The more we think about something, the more it shows up in our life. And another thing that's so important to consider too is the last thing you think about at night is the first thought you wake up with in the morning. So that's why when I talk about gratitude with my patients, I mean, first visit with any patient I have, that's what they go home with before we do any testing, before anything is even discussed about a treatment plan is from today on, you are on a one month protocol. You are going to write three things you're grateful for at night and three things in the morning because we are rewiring the brain. Because before you get on a protocol, you have to believe in the protocol. In the protocol, (laughs) you have to believe that there's hope in this world, right? So within 21 days, your brain shifts after doing this practice and you'll start believing that there is possibility enjoy. There's possibility in healing. And without that possibility, I don't care who you're seeing as your physician. I don't care if they're capable of doing miracles. You will not see the miracle in your own healing. You won't see the possibility. So understanding that there is science behind this. It's not just people saying, oh, it's just, you know, do this and it'll change your life. But really believing that this is going to shift your brain. This is going to shift your life and doing it. And genuinely looking for things that you are grateful for. Even if it's, I am grateful for this soft pillow I get to sleep on. I'm grateful for the conversation I had with Sarah today. You know, I, I'm grateful for the smile that someone exchanged with me. Starting with simple things, it doesn't even matter what you're grateful for. It's just the hormones that get produced with it. It's the chemicals that get changed in our body. And you will see miracles happen in your life. I love that. And I think it's so crucial right now because it's so easy to go into victim mentality. It's so easy to go into the like, nothing's working. My life sucks. It's so hard. The world's falling apart. And, and like, like you said, the challenge with that is it's, it's not that you're not facing the truth that the world is hard. The world's absolutely hard right now. Things are challenging. But the more that you focus on that, the more you're rewiring for negativity. And so then your brain is scanning for that negativity. And so, and again, to, to refocus on what are these other, like you say, these other pillars of health that I can integrate into my life and really make sure that I'm setting myself up for success? Because if I'm healthier, I'm more resilient and I'm more able to to conquer, right? Or to face whatever these challenges are. So 
I wanted to kind of move into the, the pillars of health that you recommend to your clients and how you, yeah, how you further approach your practice and working with clients so that people really can get an idea of maybe what they're missing going to a traditional MD or maybe what they're not getting that they really need in a traditional practice because naturopathic medicine, functional integrative medicine is a very different approach with, with similar elements, but it's still what I find the most powerful approach to, to healing. So what I like to focus on, of course, first thing is mindset before we do anything, right? Mindset is the first thing. And, you know, asking yourself questions of gratitude, what brings joy into my life? Joy is a huge part of my practice because even during the protocols, you know, anything we do, I want it to bring joy to the patient and each patient is different, right? So my company, Safa Wellness, Safa Life and Wellness, Safa in Farsi means joy. And the reason I even went with that is because that's what I truly believe is one of the pillars of health. If you don't have joy in your life, I don't care what supplements you're taking. I don't care how much sleep you're getting. You won't want to wake up and start your day if there's nothing joyful to look forward to. Um, so that's one of the other things that I work on with patients is seeking and looking for and really connecting to the joy within them that they may have lost 20 years ago and never saw again, right? Something could have happened and they went down this path of, it happens to a lot of people after loss, after trauma, um, or even just getting into the routine of life and forgetting that there could be joy in sipping your coffee in the morning. Um, so that's another pillar. Then of course, looking at, you know, the testing that I do, the nutritional deficiencies, because your physical body is still your body. Much, you yeah. have to look yeah. at it. It's the food you're putting into your body, the deficiencies that you have that you want to replenish so that that's where IVs come in, supplements come in, diet plays a huge role in how you feel. Um, and then looking at sleep and movement. Movement is huge too, because when you move your body, there's hormones that get produced. Um, so those are the things I work with a lot. Um, and of course, looking at with naturopathic medicine, you always want to look at obstacles to cure. And that could be a partner. <laughs> you know what I mean? That could be a partner. That could be a tumor. That could be a food sensitivity. That could be just any obstacle that's preventing you from reaching optimal wellness that has to be removed. And of course, I mean, let's say that obstacle, if it's a partner, that's not just through testing, right? That's really getting to know and being honest with yourself about what's going on in my life, what's really preventing me. Or the obstacle could be your own mindset and you are getting in your own way because you're, you know, sometimes people are scared of their own greatness. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that obstacle to healing. I haven't thought of it that way. And it's so interesting because I think as we work on the mindset component and we start doing doing the practices around self-awareness and we become aware of how we've been sabotaging, we often see that we've blamed the partner or the career or the family even on our own health. Like we've used those, our external environment to be the excuse because we haven't maybe wanted to confront something within ourselves. And so although they may be the obstacle, you know, usually it's like, okay, we have to do the work on ourselves to recognize the obstacle exists within us. And then we have to heal the obstacle yes. externally, right? So it's like, there's like the two-part process. It's like often what I've seen in my practice, I'm curious if this is true for you too. It's like, once we get rid of 
of the relationship or the career. And we often carry the patterns with us to the next relationship or the next career until we're, we're willing and able to say, oh, well, that obstacle is really myself because I'm not looking internally and recognizing my self-worth to attract a really incredible partner that's going to be in line with my health values. Yes. I love that you said willing and able, right? And that's exactly how it is because the partners we choose are just a reflection of us. So then that partner that's there that we're pointing the finger to, absolutely, it's it's just a reflection of who we are. And are we willing to navigate through that together? Or when we actually look at our self-worth, do we have to move forward without them, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's a hard journey to step into because as we were talking about earlier, it's that radical responsibility piece and the willingness to say, well, maybe maybe I need a change in identity. Maybe I need a change to how I am viewing my experience of health. And maybe I'm using my health as a, as a crutch to stay small or to stay in a place of victimhood or to stay in a place of not really stepping into my greatest self. And so what does that look like? And I'm curious how that resonates in terms of your clients, because that step is very challenging. I know that my identity was very attached to what I looked like and the size that I was and being a size zero and, you know, having a certain hair color and being on magazines like that. That was my identity for so long that to break that felt like I was mourning the loss of who I was. And so I'm curious, yeah, if you have any examples or how you kind of walk people through that process of, of really changing their identity and who they are and how they relate to, to themselves from a place of yes. health and wellness. This is a huge part of a breakthrough and healing. When, when, when I build a relationship with a patient, right, we, we have to work our way to get to this place of trust to do what you just said, right? Asking about how is this serving me? What have I held on to about the ailment that's coming up for me? What is it serving me? What would it look like if I let go of it? Do I even see a possibility of letting go of it? And I think it's so powerful to go there and you just have to get there kindly, understand that the client, let's say that we're sitting with is ready, willing, and able and capable of looking at the side of it, or is it going to trigger them? to run away from it because they're not there yet. So I think there has to be so much kindness involved with looking at that and being like, oh, wow, I have chosen this, this ailment to serve me in this way. And maybe up until this exact moment, I haven't been willing to see it any differently. I haven't been able to be open to even like letting go of this because let's say, for example, if I had a patient that came in with MS, we're just using this patient as an example. And she said that ever since I got MS, my relationship with my husband has improved so much. He doesn't work late anymore. He comes home early. He cooks dinner for me. He gives me so much attention and I'm so happy. And she's gotten a diagnosis from her doctor that says, oh, that you're never going to get a cure from this. There's, You have to take these medications just to prevent it from going, I mean, from getting worse. Right. And now she's sitting, sitting in front of me and I'm talking about, no, actually there's options. You can actually change your diet, bring down the inflammation. There's other things you can do and you could be free. And she might have fear around that freedom of actually what would happen with me and my husband if I had that freedom again and I was completely fine. I didn't really need him to give me that attention? Would it go back to his long nights at work? Would it go back to really no attention from him again? And if we, if she actually 
saw that within herself. Then she would be able to work on her relationship, build that relationship, that love with her husband and heal herself. So that's the powerful stuff that comes up in practice when we kindly go down this path and have compassion for ourselves because it could also trigger people to be like, oh no, how come I didn't see this sooner? Why didn't I see this sooner? I suffered from this for 20 years and I was in pain and you know I could have been better that long ago. And then there's self-hate in that of like, we all have this condition of wanting to change who we are and not really loving ourselves for where we are now. So that's another thing we practice too. So it has to, you have to have so much support when it comes to this kind of healing and really the guidance. Yeah. And I love the compassion piece that you're talking about, because I do think that when we recognize how we've been sabotaging our own health or our relationships or our career, whatever it is, and then that's manifested into into a sickness, there's a lot of shame and guilt that does show up because it's like, oh, wow, I'm responsible for this. And what I like to always remind people is that, yes, you're responsible once you become aware, but you weren't responsible before because you are just literally living out the projections of what you've been taught. And so whether that was your parent, your parents teaching you a certain way to live, whether that was the teachers you grew up with, whether those were the kids you surrounded yourself with, whether that was something you learned in college or cultural conditioning or societal conditioning, like none of it's your fault. It was all very much a projection that you took on. And now that you're aware, how do you allow yourself to forgive yourself and all of those people who influence the way that which you're currently living and then moving into a more loving, loving relationship with yourself. And I'm always, I'm always like, how do we hold that aha moment with gratitude? Because it's, it's kind of that light. It's like all of a sudden the the window has opened and it's like, oh, there's another world that exists. You know, if I just step through this window or this door into this new path and, and the opportunity for that is just, just really an incredible space to get to. Sarah, I just got chills all over my body. The way you describe that, that's so beautiful. And it's it's exactly the way it's supposed to be. It's that aha moment and that compassion and just letting go of all that shame and guilt. Oh, thank you for describing it that way. That was beautiful. Yeah. I, I, like, I like sometimes with myself, I'm like, I'll have that moment in meditation. <laughs> and I'm like, oh fuck, I just realized that I have been operating this way in my partnership for six years now. And like, and like I get to go and apologize and I get to go and say, hey, let's have this different dynamic. I, I'm noticing that this is very much a reflection of the way my mother and father operated and I don't want to live this way anymore. Um, and when you have a partner or you have other people in your life, I think this is the other really beautiful piece is like when they're self-aware enough to know that we are very much a reflection of what we've learned, there's that openness for change, which I think is really I love that. Really yes. beautiful. Yes. I know those aha moments. I look forward to them. You know, instead of instead of being shame, you know, we all get it. We can go down the path of shame, like you said, or like us, we're like in meditation and then you get that aha moment. I'm like, oh my God, I get to go up another level yeah. of like celebration right. of, oh my God, I just figured this out. And, and I mean, shame and guilt, it's such a common emotion for our society because we just never feel, people never feel good enough. So then it's another thing, another pattern to hold on to. So realizing that, breaking that pattern and being like, let's celebrate every time we catch ourselves doing something that doesn't align with us or recognizing it, it should be a rule in every house. Let's celebrate yes. every time 
we find these things we've done totally. our whole lives. And just recognizing too that when you're in that vibrational state of guilt and shame, you're not going to make healthy decisions. And I think that that's the other piece of it is, and that's why I love your work so much. It's like when you're in joy, when you're in gratitude, when you're in the mindset of, of abundance and um, and health, you're going to choose very differently than if you're sitting at home feeling guilty because you're going to match that vibrational experience to the choices that, that you make. And so I don't think many, I think many people could resonate with the fact that like, if you're, if you're feeling shitty or you're most likely not going to go and be like, I'm going to have like a beautiful energetic salad today. <laughs> yeah. you know? It's like, it's just not, it's just not in alignment. So like, how can we pull pull ourselves into these vibrational experiences where we get to choose differently. Exactly. And that's where it all comes in, where some people are successful mm-hmm. with, you know, getting a treatment plan, following through versus some people that aren't. They mm-hmm. might have the same exact condition, get the same exact protocol, but what makes people motivated to make different decisions? Mm-hmm. And that's where mindset comes in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I love that. And we were talking a little bit earlier about people even being scared to come in for integrative functional or naturopathic um, protocols. And so I want to talk a little bit about that, like the misconceptions of naturopathic medicine and why it isn't as scary as it might sound. <laughs> um, and to me, it's never felt scary because I grew up in a really holistic environment. And for me, it's always been really exciting, but it's so interesting because a lot of people I think have these misconceptions of, of it and that it's going to be hard and they're going to have to have this huge protocol and like, they're not going to be able to keep up or do it. Or I don't, I don't know what those misconceptions all of them are, but I would love to just break some of them down so people can be inspired, right, to to take some different steps this next year. So if you Google naturopathic medicine, you get a wide spectrum of doctors that show up that practice differently. Some people only use homeopathy as a naturopathic doctor. Some people are extremely on the other side of, you know, using a bunch of supplements and just doing green allopathy. And, and you know, there's a wide spectrum of being you know, hydrotherapy, supplements, diet. And I think the misconception comes in where people are like, oh, I've seen so many different doctors and either it was too overwhelming, like you said, or the labs showed me nothing that I didn't know. And the labs that we offer as naturopathic doctors and the way we interpret them is different too, right? So I might order the same exact labs as um, a medical doctor, like for a thyroid panel, let's say. Even looking at your thyroid, the typical range could be from point something to like 4.5, right? Well, I don't want it to be 4.5 because you might still feel exhausted at that. So there's different optimal ranges that we look at to look at how your body's functioning. So we do functional medicine testing as naturopathic doctors because we were looking at, is your body functioning on a biochemical level at the optimal rate, right? And then um, a lot of times when you go to a traditional doctor, they're they're probably just looking at, okay, is there disease? They're trying to diagnose, is there disease already? When a patient comes to me, we're not really looking for disease. We're looking for how do we optimize your health? How do we get you to a place of feeling the most energized, sleeping the best, emotionally where are you at, you know, looking at your um, neurotransmitters, looking at your stress hormones, looking at food sensitivities, looking at your stool. You're made more of bacteria than you are human cells. So if your stool isn't, if your bacteria is out of whack, 
you're going to be having all these different issues, right? So for example, one of the, one of my favorite tests is looking at um, stool analysis. Even before I do any blood work, I'm like, let me look at your stool. Even if, if someone comes in with anxiety or depression, because your serotonin is made in your gut. So that's where I like to start, right? Looking at how your body's functioning and then acting like a detective. And with each patient, I spend so much time digging into what is this bacteria actually doing for them and looking at their picture, how they're showing up. And then with their um, labs that I use, them putting two and two together. And so, so that's the thing. It's like, we're not trying to diagnose disease when someone comes in. I'm really trying to optimize health no matter what's going on with the picture. Yeah. And I think the other part for me that's been so profound is looking at how every area of your body affects the other parts of your body. So like you were saying with you know, a traditional diagnosis, it's like you go in and you're tested specifically for a disease. And then if you don't have it, you're like, okay, well, you don't have this, go home, be grateful that you don't have it. But that doesn't mean that you don't still feel off. It doesn't mean that you don't have low energy. It doesn't mean that you're not struggling to get through the day. You don't have headaches. Like there's so many other symptoms that unless there's a diagnosis to correlate it, it's like, it's like, well, there's nothing to worry about. Just go home and keep living your life. And I, I feel like that's so problematic because if you get this one chance to live in this body and experience life, why not go through the traditional um, or go through the the functional and the integrative and the and the naturopathic testing to really optimize your life for the fullest and for the ability to wake up every day energized and excited to live a life of of health and well-being. Um, and I also think culturally and societally, we have used the word health and well-being so casually <laughs> that we're like, well, what does that, what does that even mean? And so I'm curious for you, like what health, like if someone was really healthy, can you just like explain what that would look like for someone? Because I think we're so far off that spectrum of like actually realizing what it would mean to be healthy and get through the day from a place of vitality and energy. I love that you said vitality and energy because that's what I, that's how I gauge health. And I actually ask my patients what healthy means to them and what they envision their healthiest version to look like. Because it's different for everyone. You could show up with the best regimen, you know, take eating the healthiest diet, avoiding all the toxins and pesticides and, you know, taking all the right supplements and your blood work looks absolutely phenomenal and still wake up not energized, not vital, and you're doing all the right things, quote unquote, all the right things that health should look like but you're still not vital. So to me, that's not healthy, right? Because there's something still sucking your soul. So for me, wellness is when your mind, body, and spirit are all aligned, right? When you're taking care of your body to your best ability and capacity, not over-exaggerating in any department of, you know, let's say you get a food that you that isn't the cleanest one day, right? Are you going to obsess over it? Because that obsession then leads to your stress hormones going crazy and doing more harm to your gut than the food would actually even cause, right? And then how is your spirituality? Where is your spirit? Um, And then the mind, right? What are you practicing? So it's having those three things in balance, 
that would cause. That would be a healthy person to me. So for example, if you ask me what what's my healthiest version, what would you like to feel? How would you like to live? How would you like to be every day? Which those three things are written on my forms that I give patients. How, how do you describe that? For me, it would be I would wake up every day excited. I would wake up every day excited to start my day. I'm going to get emotional just even talking about this because no one's asked me this. I always ask people this. Oh my God. Um, I would be excited to have my glass of water, um, read the book I want to read. Even if I had an illness, I would want to live that moment doing the things I enjoy. Even if I had aches in my joints, right? I would love to do the things I want to do because it's not what's happening with our body that defines health. It's how we're approaching it, how we feel about it. So that would be me is that would be me at my healthiest is how I feel when I wake up using my energy, expressing love to everyone I interact with. Um, even in the moments that I might have a headache, right? How do I really show up in love, embodying love, being excited, being joyful. That's health to me. I love that. And I love the reflection around your relationship to even a sickness that might show up because we're not always going to feel incredible in our bodies. Like there's days I wake up with less energy. There's days I wake up with a headache. There's days that I'm you know, jet lagged and I don't feel great or I need a day off um, from my work and I have to cancel everything. Like those days happen. And so what is our relationship to that? I think changes everything. It's like, can we still find the gratitude in the moment that we do get to make a choice that will improve our health the next day? Do we get to make a choice that we don't reach for the band-aid? Do we get to make a choice that, um, that we're going to be able to be grateful even for the contrast of realizing what it's like to have a headache and realizing that most of our life isn't filled with headaches. And so having the gratitude that we get to see what that experience is because then we know what it's like not to have it. Um, and so I think that that our relationship to whatever shows up is one of the most important pieces. And so I loved how you described that. And I also, something that was was showing up for me was this piece around often when I ask my clients, like, what does it look like to, to be in a body you love? What does it look like to have a beautiful relationship with food? What does it look like to have a beautiful relationship with your body? It's like, there's this settling energy of like, oh, I would just settle if my jeans fit, or I would settle if I could fit into my wedding dress from, from, you know, a few years ago, or I would settle if I could just, you know, get out of bed in the morning and have enough energy to get to work without three cups of coffee. And I think that that's part of cultural conditioning that really needs to change. And what I loved about what you shared, it's like, it's like, why do we have to settle for anything? Why can't we just be the love and abundance and wellness and health and well-being that we were born to be? And how do we step into that versus like, I just need to get through the day. I need to get through the week. I need to get through the year. And yeah. I think that that's what we've been conditioned to believe. Um, and I have to check myself in that story often where it's like, oh, I just have to get through this launch. I have to like push to get through my manuscript. But it's like, but why can't I just be in the experience and in, in the joy of it and understand it's hard or whatever I'm going through is a challenge, but, but also like just recognize that, that this is life and, and find the most joy and love like you shared in every, in every moment. Yeah. And another thing I do in the morning too, Sarah, cause you were saying like being, doing it now, right. Is Life, I mean, I think because I lost my dad at a young age and he was so young when he passed away too, right? Um, 
I understand that life isn't permanent, right? You, it doesn't matter how old you are. Death is something that we're all going to experience. It's the only thing ex- that's guaranteed in life. So really looking at that and understanding that we're all going to die one day, understanding that it could happen at any age. I always check in with myself and ask myself if this was the last day I had, because it could be, right? How would I want that interaction to be with the person in front of me? If they, even if it's a stranger, how, how do I want to feel, right? Because if you're angry at someone else, you're gonna, it's gonna affect you more than anyone else. So I always, the biggest question I check in multiple times a day is, this could be my last moment, right? How do I want to feel? How do I want to be? Because I could be that right now, even if my pants are too tight and I'm not the perfect size that I want to be, even if I don't have everything that's on my list that I want to achieve one day, I might never even have the opportunity to achieve those things because God knows what my journey on this planet is. So how can I make every single day a little segment of that joy that I want to achieve one day? How can I create it now? Because that is all we have. That's all we have. Yeah. And the the sad part is so often we achieve the big thing and science and research shows that it doesn't even give us that the sustainable joy. And what gives us sustainable joy is actually um, the tiny habits, the tiny little things that we do every day that really rewire and, and recreate those neural pathways that, that then again, seek out the the joy that is in the world because we can go into the, you and I could walk into the same exact experience in the same exact environment and have a very different experience based on what we've programmed our mind to seek for. And so I love, I love that. And I, um, and I think it's, it's just such an incredible reminder, specifically right now, what we're seeing in the world is like, I think 2020 is the year of facing our mortality. It's like it's like so many people have never had to think about death and in other cultures and other places in the world it's very normal to have conversations about death and dying and this year we've had to actually confront it on a global scale and um and it's in my community I feel like it's woken people up to like what's priority, what's important, how do I live every day of joy? But I think when we go out and we see the world and we see the media, it's like there's also an element of fear around it. And so how do we mitigate and manage the fear in a way that um, that we can and in, in a way that's that's healthy? And how do we take this opportunity having to face what's in front of us and say, well, how do I get to use this life as such a beautiful experience and an expression of, of health and well-being? And I just love that it's everything you're doing and everything <laughs> you talk about. Thank you. It's, yeah. it's, yeah, this is a special time yeah. to be, you know, to be alive and because fear is such a big thing in our culture too. It's just, it's huge. If there's, we always tend to go towards fear because survival right? Even if you think about primitive, primal ways of living, like you run away from things that are scary because you're trying to survive. And COVID is killing everyone and it's all over the media and everything that's going on. And we tend to hold on to that fear. And then that fear, like you said, just transcribes and transforms into this whole hormone production, then more illness comes up. And that's a real thing, you know, and then your immune system's down, then more people are getting sick. And, and that's, that's, those are all real things. So 
yeah, we just have to be really responsible with what we're allowing, what lens and what filters are we using with the experiences around us? Because like you said, we could be in the same room, same exact experience, but I could perceive it completely different than you. And I could go down a complete different path than you based on my past experiences and my model and my values, model of life and values in life. Those are really important things to look at too. Yeah. And I think it's really important right now more than ever, like to ground yourself even before going out into the world, because it's so easy collectively to pick up on what other people are experiencing. And so whenever I go to the grocery store, I'm like, whatever happens, whatever (laughs) other projections (laughs) or wounding patterns or whatever anyone else is projecting on me, like this is my vision and how I'm going to like hold myself through the experience. And that alone, just even like shutting the door, sitting in my car, visualizing what the experience will be before I go into a shopping center, into a grocery store, into, you know, work for the day, whatever it is. It's like, it, it just really does change your experience. Cause you're like, I'm making this choice. And this is, this is my choice because I really don't have that much control over what anyone else is doing out there. And so it's just about me and my internal experience. So yes, I love that. Yeah. So I want to go through a lot of the things that you're up to. I know you're creating a gut course. I know you have Safa Wellness um, online. I know that there's a lot of things that you're up to. For for listeners that want to dive deeper into these joy elements, these gratitude elements, the you know maybe they want to come in and actually um, get medical testing. Maybe they want to come to Remedy in West Hollywood and get some IVs. Like, can you walk us through kind of the resources that you offer and and the different things so people can make sure that they get everything that you that you have out there. Thank you. Um, so I'll go down the list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> First, I share a lot of information on my Instagram so they can find me at dr.sam.nd. Um, and then my website for Safa Wellness, which is something I created years ago when I started my concierge business is safawellness.com. That's where I'll be launching my gut course that I'm almost done with. I've been, and it's going to, the gut course is going to include the physical part the mind aspect and the spiritual, you know, all of it, because that's what I believe healing truly is. So, you know, the supplement parts that go into healing your gut, um, diet, and also your mindset around healing. So if they go on, or if you guys go on safawellness.com, you can just get on the wait list. So once that launches, um, you can have access to it. Remedy Place is my place of work right now. Um, it's such an amazing space. It's a social wellness club. And of course, with COVID, there hasn't been much socializing, <laughs> but we are open because we have doctors there. Um, so uh, over there, um, you can come see me as you know, getting IVs, functional medicine testing, consultations, whether um, we do um, telemedicine too. It's called Teleremedy. So going to remedyplace.com, you can book a visit with me or a telemedicine visit, quick consult, IVs, anything you need. But we also in that space have hyperbaric chambers, cryotherapy, infrared saunas. I mean, all that you can ask for, all the elements to bring your body back to wellness. Um, And then this fun project I've been working on is called the swellscore.com. So we created a platform during COVID that would give access to a lot of people on information that's actually real, right? You could Google anything and you get all this information that might not even be true. It's like the opposite 
of you go on one website, it's telling you one thing. The next one is telling you another thing. So me and a group of people came together and doctors, scientists, and we're like, okay, we need to change this. So we wanted to create a platform where people have access to information that's been reviewed by doctors, by scientists, um, supplements that are actually quality supplements I've been using with my patients. My colleagues have been using with their patients. Good quality. Cause as you know, Sarah, not all supplements are created equal. There's a lot of garbage out there Mm -hmm. with really great marketing. And, um, we wanted to create something that actually has substance. We wanted to create a website that gives people information they can use, that can apply. And another thing that came up for us during COVID was not that many people can afford supplements sometimes. And we wanted to give access to that. So we took our physician discounts and applied it to our website. So when you go there, you can actually get these supplements at a discounted rate. If you're a member, you get access to courses that we've created or courses that we've tried and we've loved. So it's not just things we've created. We just review things as physicians, as doctors, as nutritionists, scientists, and really all put our, uh, put our opinions in there and say, okay, this has worked for my patients. This hasn't, this is what I love. This is what I don't like. And we wanted to give everyone access to it. So check it out. Amazing. It's so Um, important. It's so interesting. I always tell the story of like, you know, someone somewhere said like 120 pounds is like the ideal woman's weight, you know? And then like it got put on every single woman's health and like this magazine and that magazine. And then, and then like we may, I always make the joke, like it was probably an intern who was like working for a magazine who just like made up a number. And then like everyone deemed that like the perfect number. And now everyone's striving to be that. And it's like, oh, you know, it's just so frustrating because I'm like, there's so many elements that I don't even weigh myself, but I'm like, there's so yeah. many elements that go into even just like how much you should weigh or what's a healthy weight or Oh, it's not a healthy weight. And it's like, it's not something that you can get that advice from like an intern. You need to be going to your doctor. You need to be talking to someone who really understands your body type and what your goals are and your stress levels and all the things. Like it's, it's not something you can just put one number for every woman that exactly. exists. Exactly. And I mean, with technology nowadays, I mean, it's great that we have access to everything online, but it's also really scary that anyone with no credentials or any anything could go online and say anything they want and then someone that isn't savvy to understand that this person actually might just be an influencer <laughs> that is talking about their own experience which might their experience might be valid but is it true for everyone no no so yeah it's so important to have access to things through coaches through people that have actually you know coaches doctors people that have training mm-hmm in this stuff. Yeah. And so, and yeah. like and I think the reminder of bioindividuality and what works for one person isn't going to work for someone else and that's yeah. why I love naturopathic medicine because it's not about comparing you to anyone else. It's about looking at you and and what's showing up for you and what is your lifestyle like and what is your relationship like and your career like and all of the things that matter to and are very much a reflection of of how healthy or well we are and um it's just an important reminder. And I always have to remind myself too, like when I see different things online, I'm like, okay, bio-individuality, just because, yes. you know, just because everyone else is eating avocado toast doesn't mean that like, that's the trend I need to jump on or like, even though I love avocado toast, but you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, just because someone else is doing something doesn't mean that it's necessarily best for me. And I have to honor that and I have to try it and really listen to my body and then not feel bad if it's not 
if it's not in alignment. So exactly. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you so much for being here. It was such a beautiful conversation. I'm so grateful for you. And I, I can't wait to come to remedy when I'm back on that side of LA. Yes. Thank you so much, Sarah, for having me. I really enjoyed this conversation. I feel like we can talk for hours, totally. but yes, come visit me. I will. <laughs> Wow, what an inspiring conversation. As Dr. Sam shared, there are so many misconceptions about naturopathic medicine, such as naturopathic medicine is not scientific or evidence-based, or naturopathic doctors are always anti-pharmaceuticals, or naturopathic doctors are not trained as primary care doctors. However, I encourage you this week to do your own research and truly dive deeper into how naturopathic medicine, and functional and integrative doctors may offer you solutions to your health challenges now and in the future. Further, as Dr. Sam shared, I want to remind you that we all know intuitively what is good for us and good for our health. But what is so powerful is that through implementing simple practices, such as gratitude practices, cultivating joy experiences, and meditation, we can actually strengthen that intuition. And so I urge you today to make note of one of the practices Dr. Sam suggested and consider how you can implement this practice into your week. Further, begin asking yourself, what does your body need? What does your body desire? And be patient with yourself as you hear and recognize your truth while rewiring your brain to act on this truth after years of the same habits and impulses. It takes time to step into the new you, so grant yourself patience. And to further deepen your mind-body connection, make it a daily ritual to put one hand on your heart and reflect on all your body does for you. Tune into your heart and the gratitude for your body and all its magnificence. Send love to your body for carrying you through this world and allowing you to experience the beauty and joy that life can bring. Next, extend this gratitude to the food you put in your body, how your body moves, your relationships, your purpose, and then further the totality of your daily existence. And continue to come back to this exercise anytime you feel challenged with your health or what choices to make that will serve your highest well-being. I trust that you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I believe we can all benefit from learning more about the power of our minds and our bodies to creating long-term health and well-being. Now before you go, maybe you're struggling to tune out others' opinions, and honor your inner guidance. Maybe you need a community that supports you on that journey. If any of this resonates with you, I invite you to join the awesome Inside Out Facebook group. It's a private, safe space filled with beautiful hearts coming together to encourage and uplift one another to cultivate deeper health and well-being. And for anyone who's already part of that group, thank you so much for helping us build such a beautiful community together. If you enjoyed today's conversation with Dr. Sam, I also encourage you to listen to my podcast with Dr. Katrina Ubell as we discuss the power of women's health and intuitive healing. Further, drop me a message on Instagram if you've been listening to these podcasts and let me know what's been resonating. What do you want to hear more about and how can I support you in becoming happier and healthier? You can find me on the gram at Sarah Ann Stewart. And again, I want to hear from you and I want to celebrate you. So please connect with me there. Until next time, I'm sending you so much love and a massive, massive virtual hug and trusting that you have a beautiful, incredible week ahead. 
All right, that concludes this cast. It is my honor to always be here with you. But hang tight because I have one last thought. You're here right now because you are ready. Because while many of us share the feelings of wanting more, not everyone is willing to do what it takes to get it. But you are here. You are ready. So this is your opportunity now to take what you just learned and implement it today. Make a pact with yourself to put just one thing into action. Just one. Write it down, do it, and share it with me. We are all in this together. Thank you for being here. You too can feel awesome from the inside out.